And welcome to the Glacially Musical Podcast. Once again, this is Nick Cameron, joined by Keefe Changes. This is the Beer, Metal, and Swearing Podcast. I don't even have a line good enough to just compliment that nickname. It's just perfect. Thank you. Uh, I was actually, I'm sorry, I got confused. I had like a an introduction lined up to uh, the Master Blaster drinking up the Shasta. Keefe, chain. I mean, I didn't think that. I used to drink Shasta. That's really good. We've all drank Shasta. Any any of us who have lived uh, in the middle class or lower have had Shasta. However, in St. Louis, it's primarily Vess, which is St. Louis Shasta. How about Diet Right? Uh, That is Kroger, is it not? Mm, uh, We never had a Kroger's where I lived. I never saw a Kroger, so I visited Atlanta. Yeah, I could be mistaken. Because we diet right. That sounds really familiar, but I find diet sodas and light beers to be the devil who are trying to kill you. Uh, in case anybody's wondering, this week I am uh, putting back a liquid wet hop India pale ale by local uh, brew house uh, Four Hands, which is apparently my cousin's cousins, but not cousins by blood, cousins by marriage, whatever. I don't, not a big fan of their brewery because they like to do things like peanut butter cup stout, which I don't understand. I like my beer to be beer flavored. But uh, the ones they do that I like, I really like. And this one, love this one. I am drinking, once again, Montaki Cold Snack, the official, unofficial beer of the state of Montana. Well, I got a backup, which is Bosun Heavy, heavy Lifting Vessel India Pale Ale, so. Nice. Um, just yeah, what I wanted, I did want to oh. say, I, my, my copy of Monty Python's, their previous record showed up today. And you know what? This is the greatest like series of titles of records I've ever heard. It's Monty Python, Monty Python's next record, Monty Python's previous record, Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Uh, they're just genius. Sorry. They are geniuses. Zappa was the only person who could name an album series as cool as that. Yeah, and their second album, the, the cover was a was a Mozart cover scribbled out, and then it says Monty Python on, and then they scribbled in crayon Monty Python. But we'll get to that another day. How did they not get sued? Um, geniuses. Ah, how have you been, my friend? How have you been? I'm good. I uh, I'm I'm gonna break my vinyl fast this weekend and buy a five dollar record. I have not decided which one it is, but five dollars is my limit. Trying to, again, you know, we've got the houses thing going on. We've got moving coming up. So I'm I'm, I'm sorry, new bands. I love you. I love you. I love you. But I got to pull back on my spending a little bit. I really supported the holy living fuck out of all you last year. Every band camp Friday is always a paycheck for me often. And I'm just dropping fucking hundos on bands. And it's like, you know, okay, I got to stop. Um, I went to see Primus last Friday at the Greek theater in Berkeley, Very which cool. is exact, which is exactly what you imagine. It is a giant Greek amphitheater and, uh, the sound was epic and the band played great. And I have to give a special shout out to Primus for performing Rush's A Farewell to Kings, one of my first and favorite records ever. Okay. And- one, that is the most ridiculous thing ever. Right. But so... Very, very much Primus and very cool for them very to, do, Primus. to do somebody else's record start to finish. 
And like Les comes out and is like, so are there any rush nerds in the house tonight like us? <laughs> and uh I think the Venn it, diagram of Rush fans and Primus fans is a circle. Probably. But also he was not exaggerating. He came out in a Getty Lee authentic kimono from the 70s. He played a Rickenbacker black bass with the white pick guard like Getty. <sighs> Fucking Larry Lalonde had the Alex Lifeson 70s guitar. Uh Herb didn't change his drum set, but like and then they tell had me video. They- Tell me they brought out the paper bag. They did not bring out the paper bag. Oh. But, they, but he did, but Les also played synths. And he sang pretty great, considering Getty, hard to replicate. Uh, you know, people bust on him for his voice, as I did for a long time also. But, like, you really can't. It's hard to replicate Ty Roger. It's kind of hard to copy. It's, it's, like, and, it's like copying Dave Mustaine. Yeah, it's hard. And only, except, only, Dave yeah. McCons- only Dave Mustaine can suck in just that way. Except, <laughs> except for Closer to the Heart which he sort of yelped his way into by the end, by that high glissando note at the end. They, they were great. They were just absolutely great. And uh, we're known as Big Brown Beaver for the encore and a few other songs, and I bolted because I don't want to be in a throng of several thousand people during this fucking shit, and I wanted to beat some of the people out of there. So I did. I jetted it. This, my new favorite thing is to jet during the encore. Um, they never would leave before, well after the show was over. I started doing that a long, a, a few years ago yeah. because, you know, a lot of times I'm there, I'm there to review shows. I'm there to, you know, kind of take the pulse and, and I get to the point where it's like, you know, I don't know that I need the Cannibal Corpse Encore again. It's always, it's stripped and strangled every time. Like it's never changing. And, um. I you feel know, like, I you know, more often than not, I get everything I need right before and before the encore. And you should. You, uh, you should. Sometimes an encore can make the show, but most of the time. It's, you, it it so. can, but it shouldn't. Yeah. I'll go with that. If you've got, at this point in time, where I'm at in life, because I'm getting older and, and I'm actually getting to the point now where I'm thinking about getting surgery on my knees. Like mm. actually going to a doctor and saying, what the fuck is going on? here where I hurt every day. You have arthritis? I played hockey for a number of years and I did not take care of myself while I did it. I played goalie back in the days before, you know, fancy protect your knees, goalie pads. And so I hurt, I hurt a lot. And I'm getting, like I said, I'm getting, when I, when I'm, when I'm getting close to going to the doctor about something, it's, it's basically killing me slowly or fast or quickly. So when I'm listening to Amana Marth, who's not one of my favorite bands, and it's like, okay, well, I got the pulse. I got everything I need to go, and I'll see you guys next year. And that's kind of where I'm at. I have not stayed through – I don't stay through encores very often. You have got to really – or it be a small show. And But if it's either got to be a small show or you've got to – and you've got to be nailing it for me to stay. Word. Um, I'm going to also just drop this. Uh, as, as shows and festivals return and like I said my personal you know I go for I may take a little break now that I like show it in festivals very hard and uh, you know eventually worked my way up to it I think I may take a little bit of a break there's testament death angel exodus in my backyard next oh, month that shit. tour is canceled but that show is happening so I have to go to that show um mastodon and opeth are coming I think other than those two, I don't feel very motivated to see anything else right now. 
I I actually missed this past weekend. I missed the Four Eyed Horseman tour, which is of course MC Frontalot, MC Lars, oh, Shade for the Dark Lord, and Mega Ran. You've been talking about that for a while. I had no date. Mm. I had no date, and I just didn't. I just didn't feel like going. By my, I, I felt like my anxiety would be so high, even though it's a vax show, a mask show. Without somebody there, I felt my anxiety would be so high I didn't go. I am going next month, and I don't have a choice because I have two dates, and I've been looking forward to this for a while. But I'm going to go see I Fight Dragons. I don't know what that is. Uh, imagine Mega Ran if Mega Ran was a rock band. Okay. There is a dude on stage that plays like a power glove, but sometimes he switches out the power glove and he plays a uh, a Nintendo running pad. Okay. I have all their records. Why has a band not come up with like a Dance Dance Revolution as an instrument? They did, except so we- not... Not Dance Dance. They used the old Nintendo. They used the pre-Dance Dance peripherals. Then it, remember the power pad that you like, you know, oh, look, you can lose weight while playing games and you can do this running. No, I mean, nobody did. We just all got on our knees and did this with our hands. But they, he actually dances on that and it like does triggers to play chip tunes. And it, oh, they're right. really great band. They've put out four albums. They've got a new one coming. It's the only Patreon I am a member of. Of course, their Patreon only hits you when they're about to put out a record. So, I mean, I'm going to buy it anyway. Might as well be on that. But oh, there it is. A um, friend of mine is coming down from Green Bay, so I, I don't have a choice. All right. That's awesome. I'm glad okay. to not have a choice, though. Nice. Nice work. Um, any other bits of business before we go on to our album this week? Other rando stuff? No. I mean, it's it's been slow. I... Doing my walks every day. I, I, I walk to the airport and back every every day on my lunch break. That, 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 that's pretty cool. I was no, gonna weigh my I was gonna weigh myself and tell you my amazing progress because my wife said about a month ago that my butt got smaller. But I didn't know. Right. Okay. Um yeah, I had done a real big weight loss thing over the summer and I've kind of tailed off and I probably should get back on it. Drinking this beer is part of the problem. But, well, I mean, uh, what am I going to do on my lunch break anyway? I might as well walk, listen to a podcast, or as I did today, listen to Dogman again. Mm. Which is my segue. It's a good segue, sir. It's a good segue. Um, so we get to Dogman in the King's X run. This entire episode is dedicated to Dogman because it can be no other album. But oh, Dog thank Man. God, because I listened to it like four times. Yeah, you had well. I mean, like, how it's it's magnetic. You have it to is. It to really it. is. It really almost demands you listen to it over and over. I, you know, in truth, I listen to this record still, often, all the time. I return to this band. I return to this album. I know that it's usually the most popular album by a band is very cliche to listen to over and over. And I do love all of King's X, way past this and way before this, as we just discussed. Um, but Dogman is really like the confluence of all the things coming together. The Even though the self-titled 1992 King's X out was not as heavy, a lot of the elements were coalescing on their way to make the record they wanted to make, including Black Flag, the big hit single from the King's X, so, you know, self-titled. So that song 
and how heavy they were getting live, heavier and heavier, and playing with like typo negative and anthrax and bands like that, but not being one of those bands and always getting weird sideways looks from people. They kind of split up with Sam Taylor finally after four albums, and they produced the record with they split Brendan up with O'Brien. Sam Taylor to an amazing effect. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, I mean, that, like, listen, he helped them get where they were completely, and and they would never have got off the ground without him. But he was so, he was definitely stifling them and holding them back. Correct. It was like me teaching my daughter how to play hockey. Mm. I she she played D. I played goalie. I only got so much I can show you, and that and that's and they and I think they left at just the right time. Uh, each album, each successive album, had been better than the previous. It may not have always been to my personal taste. I thought Gretchen Goes to Nebraska was better than the follow-up, but then the self-title was better than that one. But n- all of them pale in comparison to Dogman. Dogman, top to bottom, best album by the band. Heaviest album by the band, but also the most tuneful album by the band. It is, has unbelievable songs. Like the song craft on this record is nuts. And they didn't the really take craft- any... Go, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I got, no, I got no, a point, you. though. No, the songcraft on this album is so amazing. There are two songs that I can name by bands that have nothing to do with King's X that were stolen from from this record. I mean, there's a bunch. Um, the song Nobody Moves Till We Say Go by Street Sweeper Social Club featuring Boots Riley and Tom Morello came from this record. Yeah, for sure. And then there is... Um, I forget which song it is off Carnival of Souls that Kiss stole from this one. I mean, these are two bands of like giants that have, and I don't know if anybody's ever admitted it, but these songs were directly stolen from Dogman. You can imagine Gene Simmons playing this album for Paul and saying, hey, Paul, let's. Uh, it was a Paul song. The one he stole was a Paul song. Hey, hey Gene. I, I think it was either In the Mirror or I could, no, I think it was I Confess. Like one of those like like wiggly python or a flopping fish kind of songs that Bruce Kulick did to great effect, but it was clearly lifted. Not that Kiss has ever been above a bit of a lift. As Gene liked to say, if you're going to steal, steal a diamond. Uh, that was um, Paul. Maybe. I still like doing the Gene voice. I can't really do the, the Paul voice as well. Um, Girls! Nice. So Dogman... There's there, there's things this arc of the band this arc of this album all the positives they still had some some you know uh, you know let's call them gullies some depths some some definite uh, you know some gutter balls and I'll tell you not the album itself but just in their career even at this time um, I think the self-titled King's X album was almost gold. And this record sold more than that, but there's a whole story about this. But, you know, they get rid of Sam and they're, they go in with the mind that they're going to write this album. And they do the same way they always do. They kind of bring in songs and finish each other's songs and complete them together in this final product. They um, are an amazing trio, for lack of a better term, uh, of members that are able to complement each other so well. They are basically uh, a three-man Voltron. They are a three-man vote. That is a really exceptional uh, 
analogy and the Dogman album cover with its multivariant colors. Yeah, I noticed. Well, and, the, and it looks like three dog heads. I don't know if anybody else saw that, but I did. It's yeah, it's an infrared photo of a Doberman, basically, and it's it came in four colors on CD. And I think there's a vinyl, but it's out of print right now, or like it's all back. of their records are forty bucks plus, something like that, which is right, then, presently out of my number, out of my range. Same, same, same. Uh, I would like to have this on vinyl someday, but this um, is the one. So I mean, maybe there's more later, but so far this is the one where it's like. Yep, this is this is I gotta buy this one. Yeah, yeah. this is I broke the tape of this. It's the only tape I broke in the 90s was this one because I'd already moved to CDs, but I still had a cassette player, broke the tape, bought it on CD, scratched up the CD like an idiot. But um, it's been played a lot in my life. This record, uh, its sound is also immaculate. Best produced album or one of the best produced albums of their career. They definitely have gone on to do other great things. Brendan O'Brien produced this record, and here's the two records he produced right before it. Verses for Pearl Jam and fucking Stone Temple Pilots Core. And then this record. And then the record he did after this was super unknown. Holy shitballs. One of these things is not like the others. <laughs> well, I mean, in terms, this in record, terms of this, this record didn't sell. Yeah, this, this should have been, in a Justin Wright world, this would have been. And it, should, and it was, listen, four singles, four videos on MTV. No, this, this record should have been a diamond seller. Yeah, for sure. And, and then we'll talk about why. And I, I do think that they leaned into kind of like, they got tired of people saying, hey, you know, this Alice in Chains band, Dirt had blown up. And I'm sure people, were, they were tired of hearing about Alice in Chains. And they basically made the heaviest record, the most tuneful record, the best vocal record, maybe some of the best lyrics I've ever heard. Great guitar solos. Everything about this record is like a 10 of 10 of 10. I'm not exaggerating when I say it. And I praised a lot this band a lot already, but this is the record that it all comes together on. And um, like I said, just on every level, they hit it. And, uh, you know, Atlantic took them over with great vision because they took them away from Megaforce in time for the last record. So they had this record and the big Atlantic push. And, you know, and rightfully so, and we'll talk a little bit after we do the track listing about the legacy for the follow-up to, like, what happens after this record comes out, but, like, and before the next one. But, like, this shit was everywhere. Headbangers Ball, Alternative Nation, Regular Rotation, especially Dogman, and uh, Fool You, which is Yet an incredible I song. completely missed it. Yeah. Well, I'll admit it. I missed it. It Talking to my buddy Danny, who whom I love dearly, and, and he was saying, you know, I listened to the first King's X, you know, the first King's X episode. And like you, that was a band that just, you know, maybe they just missed here. Maybe they just missed St. Louis. I think they missed a lot of places. They really continue, even with this big hit, two, three hit records in a row, they really have been an unsung band. And then basically, this is the peak. It never gets bigger than this. I mean, it doesn't get bigger than this. It's, a, um, it's also hard to believe it could get any better than this. That's also true. I mean, um, I you this is a band you love. This is a band I'm I'm getting to know, and I listen to this album, and it's just like holy shit. This is just, and it it is a little dated, and and maybe that's because there were bands in, like there was a band in St. Louis called Sinister Dane, who was on Columbia Records for a minute. I feel like I know that name. 
If you do, I, I, you're like the only one west of the east of the Mississippi. Well, I guess west now because you're now. But yeah, I was east for all those years. Yeah. We'll say west of Kansas then, because the Mississippi is actually east of me. So you're the only one west of uh, you know Kansas that's heard of them. They they were a really good band. It was uh, a couple of white guys, a couple of black dudes, and very soulful black bass player, black singer, and then white guitar player and drummer. The drummer was about the size of a, a small chair. But uh, I was also in their video for 48 Months, which I think was an anti-Bill Clinton song, or maybe just anti-politician, I don't know. They also had a great song called um, Where's My Parade about uh, the Vietnam veterans coming back. Very, yeah, very good band. I think, I don't know how many albums they did, but I have the one, they, the, the big one, big one they, they did. And uh, listening back to this record, and their album came out about eight, nine months after this one. So there was time for this one to marinate and find its way into. And again, you know, you've got a similar style of band. You've got a soulful, heavier, alternative metal thing band. Metal adjacent, right? Metal adjacent. Heavy, but not thrashy. Or right. Hardcore. It's like that, that, that spot between grunge and metal. Right. And, and they I were right that, in it. And I think that's the problem for both of these bands is because at that time and you know, it's, it's 2021 now. And in 2021, I can say I loved bad motor finger. I enjoyed super unknown and I fucking loved deicide and morbid angel. You know what you couldn't say in 1994, any of that you, 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 you had to be not at the same time. No, you were on one side or the other. You had long we hair or you had piercings except me. And then but in 1998, I, 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 I crossed the divide. I had long hair and piercings. So you were like Ozfest by then? Uh, completely. I mean, you I... Went, you went from Lollapalooza to Ozfest officially at that time. I, I went to both of them. So did I. I went. I mean, um, I went to more Ozfest than Lollapaloozers, but, you know, whatever. Lollapaloozers, that's great. Um, and, and, okay, yeah. for the record, I don't know if I've ever told you, but in St. Louis, uh, the word Hoosier means something very different. Oh, than in Indiana? Correct. I do not know what it means, actually. I've never uh, known. Hoosier in Indiana means Indianan. It's like just it's just like their name for themselves. Well, mm-hmm. in uh, the fifties, Chrysler moved their Indianapolis plant to Fenton, Missouri, which is just outside of the city. And so basically anybody who was a bad driver was a fucking Hoosier. Fascinating. So, so then in time the etymology morphed and it became anybody below your station. An asshole. Okay. Um, I'm thrilled so, that this is the first time we've gone on to one of these things and we didn't definitely insult anyone alive. So I'm really glad. So, but when, if you ever come here, do not call somebody a fucking Hoosier in the bar. But you will get know. punched. Good to know. Good to know. Fucking but um, apparently, according to the Wikipedia, the band loved working with Brendan O'Brien. And he totally got what they were trying to do that brought it out of them. They liked some of the demos they brought in so much. I saw that. That, that, that was they weird. put the demos out later because they love the demo versions of some of these songs. Some bands do that. Some bands do. Um, mm. You know, listen, uh, the opening to Cowboys from Hell was an I know, I know, I know. That Dimebag Daryl did and uh, could never and replicate it ever. And I quote, I could, I didn't have the same amount of beer in my can, 
that must have been the difference. Indeed. Uh, he did use the, he used the four track demo on the album mm-hmm. for the record. Cause he couldn't, cause he couldn't, cause he could not replicate this. He was using a beer can yeah. as a slide while he was uh, drinking. It's like a helicopter. Uh, what was the amp with the whirly? Um, the the amp, the keyboard amp in the sixties with the rotary speaker. Oh, uh, the Leslie. Yeah, Les, that's literally what it sounds like—a a helicopter phase. It does sound like that. The the by accident. The Univibe. My favorite thing about the Univibe is it's the 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 Leslie was an attempt to recreate the pipe organ. They came out in the '30s. They started in the '30s, and they got popular again in the '60s. And then in the late 60s, they created the Univibe, which was to recreate the Leslie speaker recreating the pipe organ. I'm pretty sure Univibe is also a uh, adult sex toy. Um, well, I mean, I don't know that the sex toy business uh, vibrated much in the 60s. Hey. I just uh, don't think we had the technology yet. Steely Dan's. Um, in any case. Oh, you know what? Nailed it. I'm sorry. I forgot. I'm sorry. I forgot <laughs> about Steely Dan. And the Naked Lunch. This is a fucking literary, well-read, educated, genius podcast. I I have three degrees. My On a little bit, none of I them got, are worth shit. I got one. It's, it's yeah, awesome. My degrees are useless. My, I have a degree in degree studies. There it is. Hey, so talked about the album. Talked about the sound. Talked about the writing. Talked about the incredible songwriting. We're going to talk more about that in a second. You are on beer number two. I love it. Actually, more like five, but whatever. All righty. Uh, I had a day. I'm sorry. I, uh, I hear you. So did I. I had a, um, Leon Alvarado is the artist who did the dog image. Um, I hate dogs for the record. Okay. I'm a cat person also, but I will, I will say. Um, I'd like dog to be a dog Man, person, but they're a lot of work. Dog Man is a great song and a fitting title track and a fitting place to kick off the track by track whenever you're ready. I am ready and I, I will do better on this one because I, the, the first few, you know, I accepted the fact that I'm not going to really know this. So I, I was going to defer more than I like doing. Cause I love the sound of my own voice more than my wife. I'm kidding more than my kid though. And, but on this one, the song dog, I listened to the first half of this one probably eight times. And this t- today is the day I got to the finally really go through the second half knowingly rather than having it on a YouTube mix on my phone on the way home driving. And Dogman is it's a song that grabs you by the collar and pulls you in and just says, look, we have a lot to talk about. Please listen. Mm-hmm. That first note that just. Everything in this whole album is condensed into that first, mm, that first note. It has that sound where it feels like you're taking the note, bending it through the guitar neck and putting it out like a cigarette. Basically a very good analogy. So that's the sound I always tried to get when I played is that. that, Right. And it's very punchy. And it it, it cats you pay attention. The song just no intro, boom, go, and it brings you right in. Uh, incredible groove and riff right off the bat. Super heavy, tuned down to D. This whole record I think is tuned to D standard. Um, I'm getting chills thinking about this song. Yeah, and I, um, I 
again, I, I'm going to point out that when we on the first episode, I told you I didn't want to do this. Yeah, well, and I'm because glad you did. just because I, you know, I don't like having a conversation about something I don't know about. Yeah. That that is like my big thing is I want to be a part of it. I want to be, you know. But when I hear, when I think about this song, and and this isn't even my favorite song on the album, not even close. The pacing and the tr- and the tracking of this record is just so top notch. Everything, like I said, everything about it. But Dogman is an incredible way to start. Uh, super duper shout out to the entire bridge section that is like literally Beatles. Mid-era Beatles psychedelia, perfect vocals. Uh, Doug's incredible vocal performance. He had some ridiculous James Brown Ian high notes in there. I know you made an earlier comparison to Living Color. Vocally, here he and uh, Corey can tread the same lines. I think Corey's a little more acrobatic. Doug is a little more in his pocket, but both are incredibly talented. This, and uh, to go back to that, this album, especially this album. That is the band Living Color wanted to be more than anything, and they could never get to this point. It's my opinion. Fair. It's not fair, but I'm still going to say it. I I would like to do a Living Color run at some point. I do love that band. Um, And I highly recommend Corey's new band, Disciples of Eric. Um, We only have the rest of our lives to be white dudes on a podcast. So I know. Um, Fuck. (laughs) What are we going to do? I also want to say that the. Uh, underrated element of the song Dogman and this entire record is you know for a long time people focused on Christian adjacent religious religiosity philosophy and these are very philosophical lyrics but very this album has a poetry to it that I think Doug worked this Doug and Ty and, and Jerry worked especially hard at uh on these songs where um you know it just feels like it's a little more, it's a little deep, as deep as they have been going, as emotional reservoir as they've been mining. This is even deep, this is very sentimental, very wistful, very, a lot of like, I'm grown and where is my place in the world, which is kind of the King's X thing anyway. But like this, this song, so like the lyrics don't make a lot of fucking sense. Give me some powder to spray up in the air. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. But it, taken in a whole years later, listening now, it's like, oh, he's using metaphors and doing all kinds of shit. With this. They achieved something that none of the grunge bands could achieve on this record. They played the sound of being in the constant rain. Mm. That is this record. This record, it's, it's melancholy with a smile. That, that misting rain that you just... A wish would go away sunshine rain literally um and like that the that's the feeling from this song forward where but it also worked against them because like everybody else in this time was like outshined and heart-shaped box except the song is you know triumphant but sad and you know pearl jam not you know uh, heroic sad guy and you know and on and on and on yeah but i mean for me most of those songs don't Hold up. Sorry. I, I, I was never a big grunge guy. I mean, obviously, because, you know, very so metal, ah, you know, sticking my tongue out and all that stupid bullshit. But I liked all the grunge bands. What? I liked almost all the grunge bands, okay. but that's just me. Um, so Dogman is a phenomenal opening song. 
And then again, there is literally like 14 songs and no let up to me. Uh, Shoes is one of the, is like an incredible song. Starts with the acapella vocal. Uh, and I will say Doug also sings lead on most of this record, unlike the last one where they really split it up a lot more. And here he's mostly featured, but the harmonies are still very, you know, they're still the King's X sound is now three albums in deep uh, of their four. And uh, four albums, the third that they have the sound, the, the, the Black Sabbath Beatles thing. And um, <coughs> add a sprinkle of goth and a big ass white guy. And you have Peter Steele with typo negative. But um, uh, Shoes is an incredible song. Some of the best lyrics I've ever heard in my life. This song makes me cry. Uh, just an amazing song. I wish I had a, something to, I don't, I don't remember this one. I, I don't know why. I listened to it twice today and it doesn't, it didn't, I don't. Okay. Didn't, didn't stay. Gotcha. Uh, Pretend was also a single. That's the third track. And, Very uh, good one. Love this one. Really good hard rock track. Um, it's even got like a very funky, like a very funky vibe to it toward the end. Like uh, this, this one reminded me a lot again. Going back to Sinister Dane, going back to you know the stuff like that, that sound, that stomp, that thump, and just that 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 vibe. And this is again a really great example of what it sounds, what replicating the sound of being in the rain. And that's that's like this whole. I'm probably repeating myself, but that's like this whole record where you've got your head up, you're smiling, you're pushing through, but there's something just, you, there are things out of your control you can't get rid of. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, again, we're in the CD era, so I don't know what's a side A and a side B here. Forgive me, everyone. Uh, well, it's song- also 55 minutes, so... Right, it's pretty much a CD. Which, song, for the record, you know, rarely is a fifty-five minute album good. Mm, rarely, but not not never. This time it is. This um, time it is. Flies in blue skies is oh, kind of a bluesy ballady thing. Um, incredible singing, very deep lyrics, very soulful, great solo. Probably one of the greatest solos of, of this era. Even I'm talking about like all bands. Um, is this you know, the one with the arpeggio, the real slow, slow, yep, arpeggio? And then stop, don't I'm, I'm gonna cry, <laughs> I don't want to cry, I don't want to cry either. I didn't I'm, cry I'm, talking about shoes, which is I'm, amazing. I'm, I cry listening to it. I'm a little verklempt, so don't don't make me a lot verklempt. I'll pick a topic. Rhode Island is neither a road nor an island to discuss. It's got roads, anyway. This one, the 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 arpeggio and this is this is one of those things that that Duncan and I have talked a lot about on the DMA where it uses the stereo as an instrument the guitar arpeggios move back and forth a little not a lot but it goes to a point where the rhythm section is completely separate from the guitar so you have Doug and Ty did I get that right yep Nailed it, motherfucker! So you got Doug and Ty and Jimmy, Jimmy, it's not Jerry. Jimmy. Not even close to it's close. To Jerry, Jimmy. it's close, it's pretty close. So you got you got Doug and Ty on one side, and you got Jerry on the other, and there's some interplay between them where it it feels like they're shouting at each other from across a room, which is, and that just gives the song an extra bit of power, 
And that's something I feel like we've really lost in the 5.1 era. Because I don't think 5.1 channels feels as powerful and as cool as 2. Fair. Also, I'm old and fuck everything new. Fair you go. I'll add two more points to that point, which is that, you know, uh, Doug, as we discussed very early on in this series, came from the church and uh, had church people in his life and ministers in his family, grew up in the church, grew up singing in the church. Uh, my interview with Doug is going to run next week on Ghost Cult, by the way, Segway and Shameless Plug. And we talked about it's going to run two weeks ago on Ghost Cult. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We'll find out. Um, so there's that point, which is the church. And then the second point is, I think, as producer, the art of the stereo pan is becoming a little bit of a lost art. It's not used so widely. When you have these incredible vocal talents doing call and response, gospel-style choruses together and apart, it demands flying in the vocals in stereo in your headphones or speakers. Not a lot of people know this technique or even remember this shit because really, it's from the 70s. As I was listening to Monty Python's previous record today, because again, it showed up, that is something Monty Python did to amazing effect. Because if you think about 90% of Monty Python's great sketches, it's two people talking. And they have each one on a different side, like panned 80-20 to each side. And so, yeah, I mean, I've been listening to a lot of their records lately. Been I've been listening to Python Up the Misses podcast, which is a podcast where a dude made his wife watch everything. And they talked about it. It's hysterical. I'm about halfway through. Uh, anyway, nice. moving on. Moving on. That song is great. Black the Sky I'll is another great me. song. Great riff, great vo- voice, great, several great riffs. It's kind of like, how do they keep coming up with these amazing, where are all these riffs coming from? This and is then, one uh, of those albums. It's, it's like Dark Side of the Moon. It just keeps it, getting better. Correct. It just, and that's why, when I, when the point I made earlier about the tracking, and tracking I think is another lost art in 2021, because we don't, I mean... If you don't have Spotify Premium, which I don't because fuck Spotify and whatever, I'm not going to pay for it. But and it's fine, whatever. I don't I don't care if you do or if you don't, but I don't because I got way too much shit everywhere to, to do that. But, you know, if you don't have Spotify Premium, which is I think 80% of the users, every you can't even listen to a record track by track. You get, you, it, it's shuffled. So yeah, YouTube music is, is a better for that. Amazon has a lot of free music, by the way, if you have Prime. Right. Oh, it does? Okay. Well, but because of that, when you, the biggest music medium to listen to albums in the world is Spotify, and four-fifths of the users don't listen to it as A to, you know, from A to B, well, why does tracking matter at this point? Why did, why indeed? But also a lot of people can't write this many good songs, and King's X does. Nobody can write this many good songs. It, 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 this is, it is a rare experience to have an album this good where you get a song like dog man which is fucking amazing gives me chills goes into another great song that i can't remember because two songs later comes holy fuck shoes is the song you can't remember but any case uh, here's a fun i can't remember Here's a fun tidbit about Black the Sky. Black the Sky is the song that Doug uses to A-B test records they make and speakers he tests out. Because he loves the mix on that song so much 
that he's like, when I want to check our other new records against something, I put that song on and I go, I give it the this, smell test. This song his ears. is in competition with another one of being my favorite song on this record. There are two songs that rise to the top. It's this one, and I'll mention the other one later. All right, then. Uh, arguably my favorite song on this record, used to be my favorite song on this record, now it's number two or three, is Fool You, which is, in a way, a Not Black, even fair, Flag really. song, Black Flag song of the last album. Fool You is like... Uh, uh, continuation without being so overt. It's like a very similar song style, but like brilliant lyrics, great riff, heavy, kind of like a very subversive, heavy groove. And again, this is a, there's a nickname that comes like 15 years later in this band where they get called the Groove Machine. Uh, the supersonic Groove Machine or the Groove Machine that comes in later in their career, but literally it applies to this. And uh, yeah, Fool You is an incredible song. Uh, we're not even halfway finished uh, with this album. These songs all demand attention. Uh, that's, what's so, that's what's so irritating about this album is it just doesn't. Okay. It, it, it's too good. Yeah, I don't know what to listen to after this because it's like, well, fuck this then. I can't listen to anything else. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Fool You before I move on? A Fool You was. Th- that was one of the songs lyrically that, that really caught my eye and maybe it's because and i'll say it professionally i'm in sales meaning i talk for a living and you know maybe i say thing you know maybe me you know maybe maybe i'm not always a hundred percent honest in my professional life as i am in my personal but that that it struck a chord with me but it also hurt mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah i understand i understand Look, I, um, I don't want to be in sales, but I'm good at it and it pays the bills. That's me. I, I don't want to be in marketing, but I'm exceedingly good at it. Um, I'm basically uh, in marketing. I mean, whatever. Right. Um, so Fool You is great. Mm-hmm. And then like, okay, there's no fucking let up. Don't care is next. Fuck I, you guys. Come on. Slow yeah, down. Like, give me a bad song. There's no bad Give me song. a filler. Give me, just give me, just look, it's 55. You can't have 55 minutes of killer. They do though. I almost What do. other um, record does? Seriously. In this period of time, only a couple, but there's a few. Um, it's not many. It's not many. That, I mean, nowadays, 55 minutes means 20 minutes of, did you really need to put that on this album? Did you need that publishing that much? Right. Um, Sunshine Rain is next, as we alluded to earlier with the puns. Another good song, uh, and a little Allison Chainsy. Like, this, this is the song that kind of reminds me of them doing them, doing them. You know what I'm saying? There, here's an imitation of King's X doing Allison Chains doing King's X. This, this song, this entire album is like a buffet, and, and I haven't mentioned this, but I'll mention it now. This album is a little dated. Not in a bad way, more like it's a period. It's not dated like listening to Vinnie Vincent Invasion, where that's just crap. I mean, it was crap then, but it was 80s crap. It, it's it's more like a period piece, like watching a John Hughes movie, where it's it's mm-hmm. it's nostalgic for that time. <clears throat> and, and maybe it's just different because I lived through that, and I was in my prime years of being terrible. And... So I rem- I remember 1994 and you know when like when we did Metallica I don't 
well, I'm sorry, Wounded Iron Maiden. I remember Number of the Beast, but I don't remember 1983 all that well. You know, and but I remember 1994. I can tell you where I lived, who my friends were, what I was driving. It was a 1975 Ford Pinto, by the way. I don't recommend. And this album, and, and maybe dated is the wrong term, but anchored to a time. Might That's be a fair. better way of phrasing it. Yeah, dated it. is not, I think, dated, I like that. Dated implies too. something. It's, it's anchored yeah. to a time. And, um, but I mean, in that time, in 1994, there was a lot of great music that I, that has, I think, been forgotten, not known, not unearthed. But this album, it's, it's strongly influenced by the popular music of the time. There's Nirvana, there's Alice in Chains, there's King's X, there's Metallica, there is every, you know, there's all kinds of things. And then, as I mentioned earlier, it becomes an influence to later music as well. Well, which, I wonder which if, yeah. solidifies that anchor, that I sound. I wonder if Metallica hadn't heard some of this from before they wrote Load. Like some of this sounds like Load. You know, there, there, there is. Yes, there are definitely some chunks of this that ended up and I, wasting and my hate. That, yeah, and Load. Well, Load, uh, you know, borrowed from Corrosion, a lot. Formity borrowed from Soundgarden, a lot, a lot, a um, few other bands, uh, some of the other sort of post. Hey, if you're gonna steal, don't steal a piece of glass. Steal a diamond. This yeah. is a fucking diamond. It should have been Diamond, but it wasn't. Indeed. Eight eight songs in, none of them suck. Complain is number nine. Incredible. And a little more up-tempo, which they don't do a lot of, but like uh, Complain is a little faster, and I like yeah, it. Yeah, this, this album is like Load Before Load. Except better. really, except, except better. Except way. better. Except every way. It, it's, it's better. Uh, in fairness, no, because it doesn't have two by four, and I just love. Although there are some great Wawa tracks on this record, Ty just no Wawa riffs. No Wawa riffs, but Wawa solos. He does yeah. like a little Wawa. Complain actually, I think, has the fast Wawa solo. Sounds about the right. Wittity, wittity, wittity. I remember walking past the park when I was hearing an amazing Wawa solo. Based on the time it took me to get to that point and back to that point, I believe we're. I believe I'm where I complain in that moment. Nice work. Um, human behavior, solid to good. Don't remember. Uh, another another good track's not great, but like it's the first not 10 of 10, 9 of 10 song on here. It's, yeah, it's this, good. This would be the closest it comes to filler, but it's a B minus. And right. I can't really call a B minus track filler. I, I again it's it's not something that sticks out to me that that which considering that my favorite track maybe is the next one. Oh, cigarettes. Ugh. Try not to cry. Bring a box of tissues. Fuck your me. mama if she's alive. Like, this is so hard, this song. Cigarettes and Flies and Blue Skies have a little bit of the same DNA. Um, but different. It's, it's, a, the same, it's the same DNA, different perspectives. Yeah, there's an earlier song by the band called Lost in Germany that we talked about that's got that same soulful Prince, Harold Melvin in the Blue Notes, angsty, heart-worn lovelorn feelings this and, song uh, is yeah, so much it's just I, I i i've heard it like three or four times now and this was one of the songs that came up on the mix because i was driving i hit youtube i have unlimited data because i'm bourgeoisie apparently that's what i was called at work today which because i eat apparently if you eat sloppy joes with a fork and knife you're bourgeoisie well, maybe you just 
buy expensive shirts and you don't want to ruin them. No, I don't want to get my, well, I do, but I don't want, I don't like my hands getting dirty. Cause I mean, I, I, I'm Sheldon. I wash my hands like 30 times a day and all of us always um, been my, well, I mean, even before, I mean, that, that has been my, my, I hate being dirty and unclean. It's, it's weird. Not the point. So yeah, I'm bourgeoisie because I eat sloppy joes with a fork and knife. But you know what? Fuck you. It, it tastes better that way. I'm going with that. Um, Do you hold a piece of pizza? Yeah. Okay. Except for Chicago style. Normal pizza. Yeah. I mean, that you can fold. Yeah. Well, Chicago style it. is like eight pounds a slice. I mean, you it's a fucking cow. It's a fucking lasagna, basically. It's not. Yeah, really basically, a, it's, yeah, it's a it's, cake. It's, it's, it's a, a, it, it's, a it's, it's a cake. It's a pasta cake, basically. It, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a pasta cake. It's, it's a pizza, it's a pizza casserole. <laughs> it's a casserole. Yeah, pizza casserole. Delicious, but you can't hold that up. Yeah. It's just, it's just going to go, thunk. it's just going to yeah, break thunk. in half in front of you and laugh at you because you're like, I just paid 30 bucks for this and half it's on the floor. So, fork and knife. Anyway, where was fork I? Knife. Cigarettes. Cigarettes. That's Thank beautiful, you. Beautiful, beautiful song. Beautiful song. And it, it's, it's that kind of song where, it's a song that really details, even if you're not a smoker now, nor have ever been a smoker, it details that feeling of life that is just so, when you're at your lowest moment and mm-hmm. without someone's help, your addiction will overcome you and kill you. And it's just, it's, it's a very, very powerful song and probably my favorite on the record. Yeah, I mean, top five, top four, top three, top two. It's and we can normally make a case. when you say top five on a record, it's fucking meaningless. Not on this record. Not on this one. Um. Yeah. Uh, go to hell is another solid one. Um, I think good. that one. I, I think that one for me was too reminiscent of too many other things. That's fair. Uh, and pillow, which is another incredible song, was a single. Uh, again, sort of surrealistic lyrics, almost like tool lyrics or perfect circle lyrics ahead of their time. And, um, you know, just uh, just an incredible song. I, I think you've pretty much described this. what's wrong with this entire album. Is it very much is ahead of its time? Yeah. You know, people were stealing from this record four, five, eight years later. 12, no, 15 years later. Even now. And even now. You know, it, it's like somebody from 1975. It'd be like Led Zeppelin stealing from somebody from the 50s. That's what. Which, it, which they did. <laughs> um, but okay, I love Led uh, Zeppelin. Not um, that, was it that far back? I mean, that's the British way. We'll talk about it another time. But uh, I don't enough. want to detract from this record with anything. This this record is an amazing record. It is one of the best put together albums of all time. There are so. Are we gonna do Manic Depression? Well, I mean, it's on there, and it's on the it was on the album proper. Frankly, I didn't hear it. So okay, oh, go ahead. Well, so you had mentioned it last week. I'm, I heard you them really play it excited. At, I heard them play it at Woodstock, and it was an amazing rendition. We're but I have not heard that. the studio. So this, it's not; it's a live version of the oh, song. It is? Okay, included on their album, um, recorded in their hometown at the time of Houston. And uh, did you it know they were originally from Missouri? I said that Missouri actually. Doug is originally from Chicago, um, and the, then they 
they all they formed kind of in Missouri and then Springfield, Missouri, Mississippi at one point. And if you want to talk about a part of Missouri that just fucked that noise, it's Springfield, Missouri. It's Springfield, Missouri. There's nothing Uh, there. I always think of Springfield, Missouri as the Springfield of the Simpsons. It is, and it's not. It's the there is a capital city that's not Springfield. There is a nuclear power plant, but it's not in Springfield. So it, it it I thought it was for a long time, but it's actually Oregon. Oh, okay. Um, so fourteen songs, a lot to chew on for the early nine, early to mid nineties. Frankly, too much. But it's I too mean, much. It's too much. But I don't. I wouldn't give any of it back. Right. It's like, oh, this is too many beers, but I will drink every single one. Right. Psychedelic Today. pop, heavy metal, my, like post-grunge or grunge. Pre, pre-post-grunge. Uh, pre-post-grunge, heavy rock. No, I'm sorry. No, that's, I'm sorry. Pre-post-grunge is stupid. Proto-post-grunge. Proto-post-grunge. I mean, they so were making directions. they were making the, They were making the move into the late 90s. In because this came out in January of '94, so it was recorded in '93. So when the '90s have finally established themselves as a decade that's not going to be destroyed, they are already going fuck this. We're going to get to the late '90s today. Kind of. Um, now here's the kicker of this whole thing. This album is incredible. They have four singles, four videos on MTV. They toured with all these big bands. Uh, uh, the list is here. It's like they went on tours during this album with Pearl Jam. They, I'm sorry, they went on tours during this album with. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Look at me. Okay. Pearl Jam, Scorpions, Typo Negative, Motley Crue. Is there anything worse than them having to go on Motley Crue for that tour? Right, Karabi. It's the Karabi tour for sure. Which, now, in fairness, this week we published on the DMA, because I'm going to suck my own dick a little bit, we published the the Bruce Kulick, John Karabi record, and I love it. And I love the Motley Crue record. Yeah, Union. And I love the Motley Crue album with Karabi, but fuck. I'm on a holiday. Hooligans holiday. Again, and for the record, that album's on my... It's good. My holy good grail album. of vinyl records, because it's like four hundred dollars. Mm. But you know when they played, when they played the, the the previous tour in St. Louis, they were at the arena. Then they play American Theater, which is a former movie theater. Yeah, they. Uh, the dirt was a lion. Yeah, and that's when King's X opens for them when nobody gives half a shit. But here's the thing. But it's still Motley Crue. But here's the thing. So King's X doing their thing, climbing the charts, getting played on MTV. They get booked for Woodstock 94. They play in between Melissa Etheridge and James Taylor. Not the most fortuitous booking. But they play. Real quick, can I say I saw Melissa Etheridge in a 250 seater three years ago? And it's one of the greatest shows I've ever She's seen. She's incredible. I will put her up against any woman vocalist ever. Um, I wish she had been a little younger when they were trying to do, they were trying to make that Janice movie with her. And she was just kind of aged out of being Janice who died very young. And it was like, it's just not going to be believable. 
um, at that time. Although know? Janice died looking really fucking terrible, old. fucking terrible. But like, yeah, yeah, you don't want to insult Melissa. Melissa was like 50 at the time. It was Look, you the insulted her. I didn't. I tried not to. She's you great. Did, though. She's and amazing. she does Janice covers in her show. I'm sure she did one when you saw her. She did what I did. She did a Woodstock. No, I was no at Woodstock 94. And King's X is one of the bands I made sure to see. And they were fucking. You got yeah, to, yeah, yeah. You're the to, you were the East on, Coast elite. Just hold on, just hold on. East Coast I had elite. never paid for something more more expensive in my life, and the experience was very hard. So don't get whatever. Um, Mid, don't get I'm a mid, look, I'm a Midwest coastal elite. I don't yeah. even have a coast. So <laughs> they play Woodstock. I'm just gonna go right past this. They play Woodstock '94, broadcast around the world. <laughs> On pay-per-view at the time, biggest pay-per-view event of all time. And before their show, Kennedy flashed her boobies. Kennedy at flashed the crowd. her boobs at the crowd, which yikes. They play Woodstock. They do a five-song set, including Manic Depression. It's only five and their songs. Other, and their other's all they had. It was half an hour. And all their hits. You know, their version of Manic Depression is like 10 minutes long, by the way. Um the the Tuesday after Woodstock. They are on Arsenio Hall playing Dogman and Fool You. Okay? Arsenio Hall in the early 90s was like the biggest thing possible for a band. It's, it's hard Johnny to, Carson. Correct. It's it didn't hard have to, rock bands. It is hard to explain what that means. Right. Go back and look it up. The week before Woodstock, King's X sold about 250 records. The week of Woodstock, they sold 250 records. The week after they played Woodstock and were on Arsenio Hall, they sold 250 records. The record label was like, what the fuck? What did we do wrong? The Good band question. was like, I don't understand how this happened. How did this happen? They were like, their expectations at that point on this hit record, everything going up in the direction, Woodstock, Arsenio, Synergy, all these things, they didn't move any more records for three straight weeks. And at that point, Atlantic was like, well, that's that. They're not going to get any bigger than right now. And that was the beginning of the end for them at that label. It's, Which it's is exceptionally tragic. unfortunate. It's like, it, it, I, I like to do things in sports analogies because I think your average person can understand this, regardless of how esoteric my brain gets that I can't articulate because I'm a fucking moron when it comes to this kind of thing. This would be like Brett Hull in his contract year hitting 86 goals. And the everyone in the NHL going, well, fuck, he's not getting any better than this. And But that's not how that works. That's not how this ever works. They achieved an amazing milestone that most bands... Like most 1% bands, because realistically speaking, the bands we're talking about are the 1% of the 1% of bands. And Pink Floyd achieved this. That's about it. In terms of, sorry, I'm burpy and hot dogs. Um the vast majority of bands cannot put together a record of this quality. This album is one of now keeping in mind, I'm, I 
Keefe and I discuss albums at different in different ways. He sees them as an average of the songs. If you're gonna give a score of one to ten of all the songs, you know if it's you know Power Slave, maybe you give Power Slave a thirteen instead of a ten. I mean, I don't know if that's too completely accurate, but that's kind of how it is. Yeah. For um, me, it's if you have a clunker, you're a B. You, to me, if you have a filler song, you're not a ten of ten. You can't that's be. That's fine. You can't be an A plus. This is a fucking A plus, and it shouldn't be, right? Because um, it's it's too long. Either you go thirty to forty five, or you go sixty to eighty. This fifty five bullshit. Fuck that noise. I can't name another fifty five minute record that's this good. Period. Very few. Yeah, very few. Because um, yeah. In the meantime, this is the ze- this is the zenith for them, at least commercially. That's fine because they have a lot of directions to go musically in the next 15 years plus. And I'm very excited about their next record. We have two more records to talk about next week. Technically, there's three, but we're going to do two because, you know, we don't need a greatest hits record to talk about, really. Um, But, yeah, this was a real incredible thing. And this is the thing they'll be remembered for, rightfully so. There's a lot of other great songs by them. You take all these songs plus all the other great songs off their other records and you have the tremendous, you know, repertoire of music. Breaking news. Literally breaking news. My daughter's St. Louis City Public School is number one in the state of fucking Missouri. Fuck you. Fuck you, St. Charles. For what? Academics? Yeah. Oh, wow. The St. Louis City Public Schools have been maligned for 45 years. Fuck you, County. Fuck you, St. Charles. Fuck them all. We're number one. No one can see these middle fingers, but they're going to I don't give two shits. I am so sick of the fucking county, the fucking St. Charles County, Franklin County. I don't kind of know why you live there. You're really too smart for that area. We're number one. And two. Well, number one is a city school. Is that a Fuji's lyric? I used to be number five, but now we're one, two, three, four, five. Uh, in St. Louis City, in, in, in the state of Missouri, number one and two are St. Louis City public schools. Fuck you, St. Louis County. Fuck you, St. Charles County. Jeffco, Franco, Francois, fuck them all. Sorry. Well, okay, on that note. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I got, I, I got Nothing more to add to this King's X discussion. I, I have nothing more to add to this King's X discussion except they would excel in St. Louis City public schools because they're number yeah. one. This right. this is probably to, to to reel this into something you know reasonable. Um, this probably is the best record of 1994. And if you think about 1994, off the top of my head, you have Slayer or uh, you have Pantera's Far Beyond Driven. Yeah, Driven was 94. You have Slayer's. Um, Divine Intervention, and then you have this this record, which, I mean, if you're going to introduce somebody to King's X, this is probably where you start. Probably. Probably. Uh, unless you want them to get, like, the, the arc that we've done. But, like, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. And uh, If you start them here, they'll get hooked. For sure. For sure. You know, there's a lot. There's sure. been a lot of you know cartoons, television shows, novel series, whatever, that 
it takes it takes that that episode, that movie, that show that get that you get it. And there is nobody listening to any sort of heavier music that could listen to this this song and not get it because they monumentally amazing record period well done um without further ado we wrap this up next week before we go on to our next band after that well uh and we will mention that next week where we're going yeah we'll save it but uh, in the meantime this is the glacial musical podcast thank you for listening if you could write a review or just click the number of stars in, in iTunes. Whatever. I don't care. I do care. Please do that. Anyway, uh, it doesn't play in Peoria.